You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker here, coming to you from the Comancheria. Today, let's talk, uh, well, possibly saving your life. Well, my life. I've, I've, that's my responsibility. Unless uh, you were, were near each other, you might help me up, and I'd appreciate it. So I say thank you ahead of time. Well, hopefully you'll find some nuggets of wisdom in here. Um, we're going to kind of take this sojourn through some, uh, we're going to talk about environmental salience. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, paying attention. We're going to be talking about awareness. We're going to be kind of doing it uh, a few specifics, but mainly in the overall as we get deeper and deeper into our uh, science of warriorhood and survivorship series, the Suaketo program and such. But uh, stay with me. Let's uh, go ahead and start with the pop quiz. We ready? We got to find out how awake we are and how cognizant we are of all around us. Ready? Here's the here's the pop quiz. Uh, how many steps are there are any staircase in your home? All right. Think. Answer aloud. Go ahead. Well, how about at your place of work? Get your answer. Hopefully. Uh, how about your last trip uh, anywhere the head stairs? Needless trivia, huh? Well, let's uh, make it even more trivial with a quote from a fictional character. The following is from uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes' tale, A Scandal in Bohemia, written in 1891. This is a dialogue between Holmes and Watson. This is a Holmes speaking, and I'm not going to do the highfalutin accent, but he says, uh, You see, but you do not observe. The distinction is clear, Watson. For example, you have frequently seen the steps which lead up to the halls to this room. Watson replies, Frequently. Holmes says, How often? Well, Watson says, Well, some hundreds of times. And Holmes says, Then how many are there? And then we hear, Well, how many? I do not know. Holmes, quite so. You have not observed, and yet you have seen. That is just my point. Now, I know that there are 17 steps because I have both seen and observed. Unquote. I know some here that are really impressed by the parlor trick of the uh, the character, and some rebug with, well, that's needless trivia, Mark. Uh, should I also count the tiles on my floor? Uh, no, and I offer that's kind of a silly, short-sighted rebuttal. I want to get to why that is. See, warriors know their game trails and their bag trails intimately, and they know where they tread and where they may need to go. You never, never, never know when you may need an alternate way to address the common. Now, before we move on to a real-life example where stair canning really means something, uh, let me uh, throw some, uh, these are facts, let me throw some facts at you. In most instances where people are, are trapped inside of a burning building or a shooter situation, and afterwards they were asked uh, to head to, uh, uh, for the exits, there's a remarkable large majority who said they couldn't see the exit signs, and they would swear that the lights must have been turned off. Well, yet, whenever we see review security footage, these things were working just fine. We tunnel up so much, immediately we go in a semi-cognitive shutdown. We go into flight or fight. We're wanting to move, but so much of whatever our, our executive function starts deteriorating immediately, unless you have actively trained it again and again and again. We're not just talking mere uh, awareness of it. You just don't walk in, look around, I see a bunch of exits over there. We're talking about, even in the military sense, they realize you would have to actually walk to each of these to start seeding these into your mind. Now, optimally, you're able to actually do a drill where you kind of sprint or a crawl to get out these and do the best. You can't do this in all places of business, but we have to keep in mind is walking and pointing at them, seeing in our mind. As it turns out, in many cases, just simply 
is not enough. As far as uh, a stair counting, there's not a firefighter alive. It tells you this is not a useful thing to have in your own home or the homes you're in because so often what happens is we think about what's, what's primarily the, the first killer of you, you is the smoke. You are like, if the smoke drops, you are going to burn. The, uh, you're going to burn. The, the corpse is going to burn, but chances are you were long dead before that. Uh, take this for example. By the time you hear that smoke alarm goes off, you need to roll out of the bed. Don't hit your feet. You got to hit your knees because that means the smoke is already permeated and came and given you a toxic layer up high. We can stand up. You can literally send your lungs to start going to laryngeal spasms and shutting down. This is before the heat reaches you. That's why you do have you do check the batteries and your smoke alarms, aren't you? Right, your your fire extinguishers are charged, and uh, and you've got one on every floor, right? Good God, I hope so, my friends. Fires, uh, you, we keep thinking firefighting technology has improved over the past fifty years. It's amazingly so, but guess what? Fires, uh, the, what we're constructing our homes out of now, it's not that they're cheaper, it's but the, they're just more efficient, if you will, but the fires burn hotter and faster, they require more water, and there's more flashover. So what I'm saying is you want to have your fire extinguishers uh, <laughs> uh, charged, you want your, 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 your batteries checked, and you want to be aware of some of these basics like you got to hit your feet, you got to stop, you got to stop, you got to drop, you got to get out and don't assume because so many times what's happening afterwards are firefighters will take people through a home and, and say, well, this is what happened to your family. And the people are just marveling. Well, why didn't they just do this? And it's because we have a very, very poor understanding exactly what happens in these dynamics with smoke, can't see, can't hear, can't smell, and you sure as hell uh, can't breathe. We're not going to be at our optimum. So we're talking about people in situations even without smoke saying, I can't see a lit, a clearly lit exit sign. So once the stress hits, if we add smoke on top of that, there's going to be a problem. So that's why some of this odd counting might not be against us. Let's go back uh, to this county thing. This is taken from an interview from a uh, former uh, New York Police Department cop. Then he turned to a firefighter. This is Tom Patrick. Mr. Patrick is recounting a January 1976 fire at an A&P grocery store. Nine firefighters were inside when the floor collapsed and the basement trapping them in uh, uh, with flaming debris. Quote, another guy was Joe Pennington. When the A&P was collapsing to the basement, Joe had counted the steps to the street. He knew enough to count the steps. They went down 18 steps in the basement next door and breached the wall. I look up to men like this. Unquote. So uh, awareness of trails and back trails. That's not needless trivia there. Tell it to the eight who survived. Firefighter Charlie Sanchez did not survive that day. But here we have uh, uh, firefighter uh, Joe Pennington. He, he had paid attention. He'd counted. Uh, because of someone like Joe, this is supposed to be standard procedure for all firefighters. The counting steps, they want to intimately know because they may need this to count out. In your own home, you may need it. There's so much smoke you're not thinking. But if you've already fixated, I got 13 from my upper floor to my lower floor, which I do. I, I may need to know this. This might be my fix fixation is I'm trying to move whether uh, to the upper level or the higher level to save myself, to save my wife, to save my daughter, to save someone. But that's got to be my focal point. It's got to be the thing when I can no longer read the sign. I at least remember I got to anchor on the fact this is how I got to move through and make my count. Now, we do such drills of this on our No Second Chance book of drill assignments, which is chock full of hundreds and hundreds of homework assignments and pragmatic awareness available. That's only to black box subscribers. We do have the book No Second Chance, but that's more the mindsetting uh, side of it. Anyone can pick that up. But the uh, drill assignments, that's only available for, for black box. And these are all really tailor-made for your own personal environment. They're not just kind of like one-size-fit-all uh, drills. They're meant to have you do things that applies to your life and how things work, because we know everyone's environment is is different. 
We also have addressed the situation that often we are deliberately blind. And the research has shown, I'm just going to just take one aspect. This research is deep, and we'll get deeper and deeper into this as we go into the uh, uh, Science of Warriorship and Survival series. Uh, research has shown that the mere act of talking on a cell phone while driving tunnels the vision. That's reducing our cognizance of peripheral vision. So here we are directing these a few tons of steel at speed, and we choose to deliberately do something that's going to reduce our peripheral. Even if we think we're the best drivers in the world, most of the time, though, we're casting aspersions on other people's, and we would deliberately put on a like one of those cones that you put on a dog's head so they won't, won't chew themselves. And to get this, the tunneling persists for up to a quarter hour post-cell phone use. So even when you're done, your brain's executive function does, still doesn't bring everything back online. The human animal does not multitask. It shifts task allotment conscious effort must be made to be aware alive awake are we getting that conscious effort we just can't go yeah there's exits i'm aware every building has exits and you can't go well, i think they're over there and casually point it's still not good enough once we go stress there's going to be so much entropy so much deterioration we do not work awareness does not come naturally it is either awakened often temporarily by extraordinary stimuli and that's often too late or trained via multi-sensory immersion practices now, we know uh, indigenous warrior cultures hacked persistent awareness. Uh, we, I would direct you to our upcoming Suaketu program, which is kind of a, a folds in a, a morning 10, well, really eight-minute session that you can use to help make sure you're getting your sensory awareness online. Then after that has a series of well exercises and drills and general practices that you can do through each day. Each day kind of revolves through, remind you to find something new to be aware of or a new way to have sensory access uh, because we have to be aware if we're always living at this red alert level, that gets fatiguing and the system goes down. What a lot of these warrior cultures are doing this is really brilliant is really learning how to notice everything notice the good so the the bad sticks out like a sore thumb so that's, i think it's a really useful way to go so again look i would direct you the suaketo program if such a thing like that uh floats your boat but let's go on let's talk about salience environmental salience and just standard salience salience means anything that kind of sticks out these are things that we can really like when we hear the salient point of the debate we're hearing what were the most useful or the ones that really uh, uh shot out to us so salience and common usage can refer to details such uh, the, such as what are the salient points of christmas day well these are gift giving and conviviality but salience and cognitive science is a bit more nuanced. It's the ability to recognize survival apertures that may or may not be salient in the common usage of the word. The pertinent definition for a path this is the academic uh, definition. Quote, salient events are an intentional mechanism by which organisms learn and survive. Those organisms can focus their limited perceptual and cognitive resources on the pertinent subset of the sensory data available to them, unquote. Yeah, that's a mouthful there. And what exactly does it mean? Well, let's uh, let's use a few, a couple examples to kind of see how it brings it to the fore. Because how we think of salience, we're looking for the big detail. Uh, whenever we're bringing our awareness online, smaller things become the alert to the large. So salience in the backwoodsman scout survival sense is less about those big details than being aware of the gestalt at all times and permitting pinpricks to sensory consciousness to reveal themselves as possible harbingers of more. Here's a general example. Say my goal is to harvest some juniper berries, which we, you know, those are actually cones on the on the juniper or the eastern red cedar tree. You know, those are really small, purplish-looking berries there. And let's say I'm wanting to make a tea with them, a tincture, or I'm out there in a pinch somewhere, and I want to use the, the pulp of them for their antiseptic qualities because, you know, someone's gotten a hell of a scratch, uh, a tear in the skin whenever uh, we were on a camping trip. Now, I need not traipse through the woods scrutinizing every juniper or red cedar tree looking for these small and often hard-to-see berries. I mean, I can do it that. 
that way. And that the salient point would be looking specifically for those berries. What I can do, though, is I can look to the canopy of the forest where the sun flits through the overstory of the trees and look for the gentle rust or yellowish color that barely tinges some juniper or cedar trees. Now, these rust-tinged trees I avoid as these are the male junipers devoid of berries. That rust is actually the pollen that is on the trees. And once you're looking at overstory, you walk to the unrusty trees in the groves, and that's the female tree. That's the one that has the cones slash the juniper berries, and that's why I har harvest those. So the common usage of salience would be some trees have juniper berries. Right. The environmental usage of salience is the bigger picture of detecting the hows and whys of a forest hue itself and using this for salience. Again, this will only happen if we're aware of it and actually practice it a few times and do it, since it must be drilled. Let's go to a dire example. There is a Comanche word, Nemitokona, which loosely translates as walking fire. It referred to any wildfire that one can stay ahead of. That is an escapable fire. Now, one cannot escape a Nokitekona, which is because they travel too rapidly. One cannot escape them unless one is dialed into a bit of salience. During a forest fire, radiant heat drives volatile gases called terpenes out of pinyon and juniper trees. This occurs usually minutes before the trees are consumed. The heat of the fire raises the terpenes above the canopy. As we all know, hot air rises. In some conditions, though, I mean, that hot air rises the same reason why if you stood up from bed, you can probably send your lungs and drop yourself quick. We've got to hear that fire alarm drop out of bed, roll out of bed. Anyway, in some conditions along steep slopes in the forest, uh, for example, the terpenes cannot rise and disperse. These gases create a layer that follows the contours of the hill. When the right combination of wind and flames reach them, they explode, just as we would experience if uh, we left a gas burner on in a kitchen and then set a match to it. Smoke jumpers and other firefighters who have abandoned scenes just before explosive conflagration report things well, things seemed wrong. I mean, it was really creepy. I don't know why. Terpenes have an odor. Normal conditions, a so-called walking fire, dictates that the terpenes rise and are not sensed. So those not on board. In dire conditions, the terpenes are trapped and can be sensed by those paying attention. Hence, possibly, the creepy feeling. Firefighters who have survived conflagration by pulling out are responding to a form of environmental salience. Indigenous peoples who labeled fires walking fires or running fires refer to being aware of these smells that tell you it is time to go now. I want you to think about that. It takes a special sort of being to know what a forest smells like in the best conditions and then know what each of these smells mean. It's like being awake and alive to the hues of the forest as well to harvest your juniper berries. Think about this, though. It takes an even more special sort of human being to be able to distinguish uh, the differences in forest smell even in the midst of the overpowering smells of a forest fire, still being able to detect differences going on. And clearly that's not something available to all of us at all times. Uh, I'm not saying that we have to you know, be firefighters to do this. We're just using an example of one area to let us realize just using a forest environment, we could have the same thing in a standard environment. You've got to be alive and awake of it. You've got to be aware of it. And you've got to look beyond just the standard thing. What are maybe sometimes if you can't, you learn that you will not be able to see a lit exit sign. You have to get an overall gestalt of what it is, other aspects you may be looking for, learning what a stair count is, maybe not be able to see that light, different ways to move and think and behave. 
Salience is only available to those who are alive and awake and aware at all times, good and bad. We cannot find contrast patterns and follow them to their sources if we do not see all its threads to be tugged on to see where they lead in the labyrinth. Now, see, some threads lead to juniper tea, some to escaping the minotaur of a forest fire, but awareness is only available to those who choose to sense at all times with no blinders on. That's not phones in the hand, playing, earbuds in. But that's, not, that's not the only thing. We're talking about there's plenty of people just walk around an abstract, uh, abstracted thought. I mean, I, hell, I do it myself. And you're just blind to what just happened. You don't hear something. Oh, could you say that again? I didn't see it. Oh, I overlooked this. Why can't I find barbecue sauce on my own refrigerator? Because I'm really not there at that moment. Now, if you want more resources for seeing more and having more awareness, uh, I will put. Uh, I would direct you to the uh, to the extremeselfprotection.com. Take a look at the Black Box Brotherhood, uh, our No Second uh, Chance program. There's No Second Chance book of drills. Obviously, I would send you over to our, our blog where we got thousands of such uh, amusings and such things. I'll link all this in the show notes. Uh, and I can't say enough, I would really direct people to the Suiketu program. It's a morning, like 8 to 10 minute practice, very relaxing, bring some sensory awareness on board. Even if you just stop there, that's cool, good enough. But as long as you start bringing aboard the other kind of drills or practices throughout the day, we just start looking around more. It doesn't mean you're living in paranoia. You're off, often the, the assignments are to look for these beautiful things. But because you're alive and awake and aware, everything else starts coming on board. Anyway, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this sojourn into it, or we learned uh, something about how f- fragile we are. We, we, if we can't see an exit sign that's clearly marked, and these are not idiots who are facing this. These are just people in a bad situation. We're people, and we can become in those bad situations. We need to make sure we seize every chance we get. So uh, take care of yourself, crew. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musings. Mm-hmm.